Introduction When it comes to power on HBO's Game of Thrones, based on George R. R. Martin's groundbreaking A Song of Ice and Fire book series, it comes in all forms, shapes and sizes. Cersei Lannister wields power by destroying her enemies by whatever means necessary, be it her family's name and gold, her beauty or her unholy use of wildfire. Jon Snow wields power through his skills with a sword and his quiet leadership of men. Tyrion Lannister wields power through his sharp intellect, his ability to let others overlook him, literally and figuratively, and his ability to make the most out of a bad situation. But there's one power none of our heroes and villains can match. We're talking about the top of the food chain here, the apex predator, not just of the Seven Kingdoms, but of the entire world. Dragons. The ace in the hole if your last name is Targaryen, the thing that turned the entire course of history of the continent of Westeros. But where did the dragons come from? Why did they die out? And what has brought them back into play for Daenerys Targaryen at such a pivotal point in Westeros history? Before we dive into the fray with the history of these monstrous beasts, let's take a look at how George R. R. Martin's use of the mythical monsters compares to others in modern fantasy. The modern dragon first takes shape in J. R. R. Tolkien's Middle-earth books, The Silmarillion, The Lord of the Rings, and The Hobbit. Largely published in the 1930s, most famous of all is the Smaug, the antagonist of Bilbo Baggins, and his seven dwarf companions on their quest to regain the dwarf's kingdom of Ebor. Smaug is a dragon straight out of the oldest trappings of mythology. He has made his home inside a castle full of fabulous treasure and mostly sleeps. He can speak the same language as our heroes and is quite the conversationalist until believing he has been tricked, at which point he bursts free from under the lonely mountain and uses his fire-breathing ability to ravish the nearby village of Lake Town until he is slain by a single arrow from Hero Bard the Bowman. By the 1960s, the first cousins of Martin's dragons were born in Anne McCaffrey's visionary series, Dragon Riders of Pern. Unlike most of their previous incarnations, these dragons are not magical and are friendly to humans, thus the ability to ride them. During the 1980s, two dragons stand out from the rest in terms of driving forth the concept used by Martin. One is Maur, a monstrous beast with the nemesis of heroine Erin in Robin McKinley's Newberry medal-winning classic The Hero and the Crown. Two items of note here. One, the dragon is sentient but does not speak. And two, he is conflict with a female protagonist, breaking a long-standing tradition of females being little more than hostages or snacks when it comes to interactions with females. The second dragon of note is Strabo, a minor character in Terry Brooks's Kingdom of Landover series. In many ways, Strabo is direct homage to Tolkien's Smaug, but he also takes the idea of dragons back towards being creatures of magic. At the same time that Martin was publishing the first of his novels in 1996, famed British author J.K. Rowling was delivering the first Harry Potter novel. 
The two both have their dragon wild, magical, and ultimately rideable, as Potter, Hermione, and Ron are able to ride onto freedom in a narrow Book 7 escape.